what I felt like when I was watching these vampires because they weren't like hindered, right? They weren't less like creepy other. They were just they were really cool. <laughs> so. They're like the coolest, most fashionable vampires I've ever witnessed. And I was like, the fashion was honestly like outside of even just the story. Like the story was my favorite part, but the fashion was on point. I was like, these are the most fashionable humans. I want to be this cool. <laughs> And we're, and we're the ghouls, the ghouls next, next door. door. Talk about spooky stuff. You know, as we do, man. Yes. And this is a special episode. We are going to be talking to a very special guest about a film that we watched for Salem Horror Fest. Yeah. yeah. It was a really, really great film. Just really fun. And like on the nose. And just doing great stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's it was the kind of film that we are always striving to have. Uh <laughs> you're telling something you're also very entertaining and super fun in all the ways that they can be um and so we're gonna invite special guest alice mayo mckay welcome thank you (laughs) (laughs) yes awesome so thank you so much for joining us this is uh is honestly like a treat uh just like your film was really um refreshing i would say like it, it was a nice uh I think Salem Horror Fest just has had a lot of really great films that have like meaningful messages and also just like are diverse and interesting stories that we just don't see in mainstream all the time, unfortunately. So it's like, it's honestly awesome. (laughs) So it's really great to see work like yours. Um, When my initial draw to it was that we had seen the film Bit, which was, you know, with vampires and also um, has like trans characters and and lesbians and all kinds of cool queer fun. And it kind of fell through at the end for us. (laughs) So we were like, okay, like, let's go in and let's see if, you know, this, you know, redeems that kind of plot. And it did. Like, it's so much better. Thinking about like how much money and how much like publicity that film gets versus like (laughs) how awesome this one is. I was like, oh, this is such a shame. More people need to be watching this. So it's awesome. Um, and what we're talking about is So Vam. Uh, so, Kat, do you want to tell us what So Vam is about? Yes. Uh, this is from IMDb. Kurt is an outcast in a conservative town who dreams of moving to the city to be fa- a famous drag queen. When he is kidnapped by a predatory old vampire and killed, he is rescued just in time to be resurrected by a gang of rebellious vampires who feed on the bigots and abusers. Brilliant. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> yes, we wanted to, to kind of start with, like, how did you come up with the idea for this? Like, how, like, where did it start? Um. Well, I started like doing. I did like short film. I think last year called um, Tooth to Tooth, which was mm-hmm. vampires, queer, like political. But then um, I think I did another short film after that, and then I wanted to kind of go into a feature next. And I mean, vampires is one of my favorite subgenres of horror. So mm-hmm. then I mean. I, I mean, I love drag as well, and I wanted to do something 
I originally wanted to do a drama, but um, just with the resources I had, I thought, I mean, I loved horror and I thought that was going to be achievable with everything, the budget. Um, so I knew I wanted to do like a coming of age story that had like a lot of queer leading characters as well, supporting queer characters. And then, I don't know, I just kind of came up with a story and then went from there. But I knew I wanted to tell a message with my film, but also have that kind of, you know, fun um, vampire, you know, uh, romance as well and kind of everything I wanted in one film to just be in, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that definitely comes through because it's it's like there are horror aspects, but it's it's kind of campy and fun in that way. So it's definitely um, like more digestible for people who might not be super in love with horror and that might be reluctant to jump in. Like you could still in, very much enjoy yourself and not be put off by like it being like too horror or like too boring. Yeah, like, like, yeah. Um, it's like fun <laughs> instead. And yeah, and there's the 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 of super fun like friendship there's like platonic relationships in there and then romantic ones as well um yeah Kat your question yeah what got you into filmmaking and writing I read another article where uh they talk about like how you're so young <laughs> but doing all these amazing things um uh, so like what is what has gotten you into filmmaking and writing and then like what is your creative process like and yeah like how'd you get here <laughs> um, well, I always like wanted to be like a novelist, like writer when I was younger and I did like short story competitions. And then I don't know, when I was about 12, I was like, got into really into film somehow. I was just kind of like, oh, I could see my short ideas more like film-like instead of just prose. And then, I don't know, I just started doing some stop motion animations by myself. And then I started getting actors involved in animations. And then I got the rights to a Stephen King story, which kind of was pretty cool with the Dollar Baby project. So then... I don't know, that was my first live action kind of thing. And then that kind of helped everything to get here, I guess. And like my writing process. So I have a co-writer, um, Ben Paul Robinson, who I do a lot of almost of my work with. And um, so for this one, I came up with the idea that had like, I wrote the opening and like a narrative kind of style and had an outline for the rest. And then we just kind of went back and forth. Yeah, that's awesome. so cool. Yeah, I've I've heard of the um the Stephen King where you can he he really loves for people to just like have access to his work, and I think that has kind of opened the door for some really interesting projects because it's like he puts in all that work to make this amazing story, and then other pe- people's minds can kind of like blend them and twist them. So that's super cool that you got to do that. Like that's awesome. <laughs> like I love that. Um, I wanted to know what it was like. Uh, so there's uh, in the story, like we have Kurt and he aspires to be uh, a drag queen. And there's a lot of fun, like playing with like, what name am I going to have? And you see like their sketches and, and all that. And I wanted to know what it was like working with like professional drag performers during the shoot. Um, it was pretty amazing. Um, so, I mean, all the sketches and stuff you see, um, I, they did that themselves and they designed like the final outfit and everything as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was pretty fun. I think they had a good time as well because it was their first acting role as well because I approached them to audition for the role. And I think there are a couple of other drag people in there as well. And I mean, it was kind of like two worlds collide because I've always loved the drag scene and then getting to do that with the film and the story was pretty, pretty exciting. 
Yeah, they were amazing. They're like so natural and really helped like set that tone. And like the fact that like we're introduced to them right away and there's this like kind of like hero aspect to them. And there's also this kind of fantasy as well. Like, cause some of them are like, wait, is this like a magical person? And honestly, like drag performances are magical when you're there. Um, and I just really loved like the lighting and it really does feel like you were you're at a drag performance and doesn't take away from the story too. It just feels like now we're setting the tone. Um, we're seeing why that's an aspiration for Kurt. Um, and I will say the you know, the beginning is so abrupt in kind of dropping us into the realities and some of the traumas that we're going to explore throughout the whole film. Um, and, and I found that very interesting um, to kind of just like <laughs> jump into that. Uh, so um, we like, like I was saying before, we really love films that are striving to have a, like have this message and to, to use fear and horror as a way for people to kind of like experience and live different lifestyles and um, issues that they probably wouldn't have otherwise had. Um, and so uh, one of our questions is just like, what do you hope this film's impact is for those who watch it? Like, what do you want people to leave with after they've watched this film? Um, well, when I wrote it, I really wanted it to be for queer people because there are a lot of like films that have queer characters and like for straight audiences are like turned down. So I really wanted to encapsulate like the queer experience and, you know, especially like the vampires, the like chosen family. I really want, I mean, especially for trans people and like non-binary people to be like felt seen in the film mm -hmm. and especially in like the genre film as well. Um, I think for like non-queer audience members, um, I don't know, it's just kind of exploring that world, I guess, and kind of seeing through different perspective of how, I don't know, high school might be different or how their family lives might be different and kind of their troubles as well. But it's also like there's joy in their queerness, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I thought it was really cool specifically like, Specifically on our show, we talk a lot about how like monsters represent different things within our society and how like using monsters within horror is like a great tool for um, like kind of anyone who feels othered. Um, and there's a line in the film where they discuss the way vampires have been like used in media to represent different things. And I just thought it was so cool and just on the nose. And I feel like there's lots of times where people will like ingest media and not realize like, wow, yeah, no, vampires have been meaning this for a while or like. The whole thing about Bram Stoker, I was like, that's so dope. Um, but yeah, I was what, like looking it up. I was, yeah, like, I was like, oh my god, that's true. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know that. I didn't know. Uh, but what made you want to make like a vampire film specifically? Like, how did you develop your lore? I liked like when they were going through like, we don't actually, uh, we actually don't live forever. Like we die, you know. Like, well, how did you come up with that? Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've always been like obsessed with kind of, kind of every kind of vampire film, like Vampire Academy, Twilight, True Blood anything and everything and like when I don't really know developing like the laws and stuff I guess we just kind of combine the aspects of make it fun to be in the vampire world you know but not so like the fun stuff because then we can like have none of that camp stuff or the outside scene so I guess it was just kind of combining everything we loved and you know getting rid of some of the cliches and keeping some of them to make something new. Mm -hmm. Yeah because it felt like it like being a vampire wasn't debilitating, right? It wasn't this like kind of takeaway and like, you know, you have to suffer, <laughs> right? It was like, now you're just a little different. And if anything, you're like special now, right? Like you're, you're, you are more empowered. You feel like you're kind of accepting yourself, which is an easier, um, 
kind of explanation into that world of like just coming to terms with your own identity uh and that's just what I felt like when I was watching these vampires because they weren't like hindered right they weren't less like creepy other they were just they were really cool (laughs) they're like the coolest most fashionable vampires I've ever witnessed and I was like the fashion was honestly like Outside of even just the story, like the story was my favorite part, but the fashion was on point. I was like, these are the most fashionable humans. I want to be this cool. (laughs) And I just feel like hopefully anyone who's seen it is like, especially like non-binary and transfer, like they feel like, wow, that's me on the screen. And also I'm fashionable as hell. (laughs) yeah well I wanted to know like what the process was for like finding these actors and working with them and also like a bit about like the crew where did you have like queer or like uh like what does your your crew look like as well like behind the scenes as well as in front of the camera um so with actors um as I mentioned as I I messaged them um prior to like finishing the first draft and then with April, I mean, that was one of the hardest characters to cast because um, originally I was going to fly someone down from Sydney um, who was in like an acting school, but then they couldn't make it work because of COVID and lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so then um, like a friend of a friend of a trans actor knew someone who was interested in acting and done like modeling and some TikTok stuff. And I was like, you know, I didn't really have many other options. So like, do you want to audition? Um, and then they were just like perfect for the role. So that's how I found them. And then everyone else just kind of auditioned or had worked with before, especially like the older, um, not teenage, supposed to be um, actors like the father and um, mm-hmm. the comic book person. Um, and then like even with the um, performers at the start, when you see Kurt um, watching them, there was like one of the original Legos. I'm not sure if you know who they are in America, but it was like King's Cross in Sydney, like the first kind of trans performers oh, um, wow. on TV and stuff like that as well. So that was really incredible working with them. And for crew, so I was originally going to co-produce it with someone else, but then they were going into state and couldn't make it work. So I was like, oh, okay. So I took on producing as well full um, of that, which was intense. But, um, yeah, as I said, I worked with my co-writer and then I directed it. And then the first AD was also the woman in the comic book store. Um, he talked about Bram Stoker and that. So mm-hmm. she was my first AD. And then really um, we had three camera operators. So Aaron Chupan was the main DOP and then um, he brought along Rebecca Dunker who had worked, who shot my Stephen King film as B-cam and then Beck Taylor, she was also another camera just because we shot like seven days so we needed as many cameras as possible and yeah, then the costumes and production, that was all done by Eliza and then two makeup artists who they were both amazing and yeah, so mix of diversity I think on and off. That's really cool and you could really see that like coming through like there's when you have like a small tight crew like that that are just as passionate about like the script it really comes through in the finished project um it's almost like you're like a family and and, like especially when you're doing like multiple roles you're wearing multiple hats like you just get really invested in what you're working with so that's so cool yeah um what kind of stories like obviously you got a long and bright career of you so like is there anything you have like in your mind for the future, any projects you're working on right now, or kind of like just like dreams <laughs> of what um, is to come? I mean, there's definitely been a couple of ideas been trying to get down and it's just 
restrictions, budgets and COVID and everything at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm writing a new feature with the same co-writer, which I want to shoot next year, fingers crossed. Um, but that's more of like a, like a Rob Zombie slasher kind of thing, but with like a queer kind of like non-binary final girl kind of take on that whole thing. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm so excited. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, more. I want to see it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, like, what are some of like your your influences when you're really like thinking of these these films? Like, are you like? I mean, you've kind of already said it a little bit, but like, are you intentionally trying to subvert certain messaging, or is it just like these are the stories that matter to me, (laughs) so I'm going to tell them because this is all that like I care about, (laughs) or is it like? I want people to see this very specific story. Like, yeah. So like, what are, you know, some of your inspirations for that? Like all, all the work that you do. Um, yeah, I think I just want to tell the stories that are important to me. And like, obviously there's not a lot with like trans and queer people, but, um, some of the like stylistic influences, like Sean Waters, like Greg Araki, and I really wanted to do that kind of meets almost like the Rob Zombie aesthetic, you know, with like more pop. Um, yeah, I really loved like the craft legacy and all those kinds of films as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, bit controversial but like the Black Christmas 2019 I actually I, mean, I haven't seen it for a while but I enjoyed it back then and really liked the messaging and combination of horror I mean I know it's not perfect but yeah yeah all right would you say that you're like a horror fan just like even just outside of like creating it like is it is are those the kinds of films that you enjoy to watch yeah I mean I kind of like came a horror fan like unintentionally especially with the Stephen King like I hadn't really watched a lot of horror like Monsters and Scooby-Doo is kind of it but then um <laughs> as like I made more horror films I was like you know they're actually really good and that's pretty much what I watch majority now yeah yeah it gets you right like <laughs> you do it once and you're like wait this is actually pretty exciting <laughs> like it's like a adrenaline rush that you're just gonna like keep looking for um I guess like this process you, you talked a little bit about like the challenges and like the successes and like creating a film in COVID that's a big challenge and it, like mm-hmm. uh, was there anything that was like how you said you filmed this in seven days too is that correct yeah that's the bulk why. was like seven days yeah um like what were kind of the biggest challenges slash also like the little wins like the little things that you like celebrate you're like oh that was so great or yeah like what was uh the process like in terms of managing all of the stress of filming within a pandemic and also trying to like get people around um and yeah like what like really worked or like lended well to even this like new kind of way of having to operate within the world Mm -hmm. um well, pandemic-wise, the only issue, like, I mean, aside from flying in the actor, was it was pretty fine because in Australia we don't, I mean, well, now we do, but back in the start we didn't have any cases or restrictions in Adelaide, like zero cases mm-hmm. and everything. So that was pretty fine. Um, I mean, the stress, like, it was stressful. I didn't really think about it till afterwards, though. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Like, I didn't feel that stressed on the shoot. Like, it was pretty smooth sailing. I mean, having three camera operators, like a DP who was, like, super experienced and I'd worked with a lot of, mostly everyone before so that was kind of um good I think like I mean the wins I got to work with like Kelpie from Drag Race which was super cool and like some of the cast was just that was pretty amazing and yeah I mean I don't think it was anything too stressful I think the day when we were shooting in the lair because we did all the last stuff in one day I think we almost got like kicked out because they had a concert and we were running late so we were actually <laughs> going to do the fight scene outside like in an alleyway but then we were like oh we can get it done in, like 40 minutes so 
Yeah, I don't know. That was probably the biggest stress. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I've done, <laughs> I've done that where you're just like, you're like, all right, what can we do? What can go? What can stay? How do we do this as quick and still good as possible? Yeah, there's a lot of like uh, direction and like, uh, like aesthetic that goes into this that I really enjoy like there's the intentional lighting um like of the purple and the green and it's just like kind of pop and fun um and the different like uh color grading which kind of makes it almost seem like like it's modern but then it also at times felt like it could exist at any time like which is like really cool to see like there obviously are modern things with like phones or just like the way that people say and do things um but I thought that was really cool and there's also like the music which I I yeah, the music really enjoyed really so I wanted to know more about like how you found like the the certain songs that kind of play through and and what that process was like for you um so like the score, I found him through um, Screen Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, that documentary. Um, mm. And then the actual songs used throughout, um, just like people I know, like mainly queer and trans artists. So like we got Corey Liner, she did, um, she's a trans musician, who did um, the, one of the drag songs. And Alex Zone did the credit song. And then Alter Boy, an Australian trans band, um, did a couple of songs. So that was like really important as well because, I was like, well, if we're going to have like a cis male composer who did an amazing job, but I really wanted to have that balance of also queer musicians and highlighting them because, you know, otherwise it's like, yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, it definitely comes through. Because um, I was like, wow, this song is like so fun. <laughs> I was like, they had like, this has to be intentional. Um, and I love that. I love that there's like so many levels of just like making sure that there's like we're holding space and being intentional. Um, Cause you know, there's oftentimes where people are, you know, telling certain stories and we kind of miss out on what they could fully be because we don't have the right people who are behind the camera or the right people mm -hmm. who are like doing this or that. And it's like, it's so nice to have this range and that everyone kind of is contributing to make sure that the story is, is covering all the bases. <laughs> to yeah. The least. Yeah. One thing you said that really resonated with me is that a lot of times we'll have films that are like watered down specifically to be geared towards straight audiences. And it was like really cool to see that not taking place. Um, are there any other like people who make films or other films that you've seen that have done this really well, like in that, like you feel like authentically seen and heard um, either it's something that you're going to be creating in the future or people that you've already seen do it that like kind of, I don't know, like inspire you to keep, making it happen um i think i mean when i saw the craft legacy i mean not that the trans character was like you know main but i think what was important was like when i read the interviews that actually had like um pre-production and stuff where they were learning like about the trans um identity and kind of giving like cast and crew rundown of like what to say like, like teaching about because i think that's important as well because a lot of times you might see a film and you know the backstory is like really awful i treated their trans cast off mm -hmm. and stuff like that so I thought that was really cool and inspiring um I mean I don't know I'm like the new Chucky I think that's pretty cool to have a gay character as lead um yeah I don't know I'm just gonna like check because I have like a list um oh yay <laughs> yeah it's yeah, good because uh, we can plug that to like our listeners to be like watch these yeah um, yeah I saw it I really like, oh sorry go ahead go ahead um, I really like, I don't know if this horror, it's kind of grindhouse, I think it's getting absolutely canned. Um, Habit with, um, by Janelle Shirtcliffe with Bella Thorne. 
um, that has like a trans lead character. And I think that's really done well because they're not like exploiting the trans experience, but she's just there as a trans person. And I think that's really important as well to have that, especially when it's written by a cis woman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's about, I don't know. There's not a lot. Yeah. I mean, I really like John Waters, Gagaraki, that kind of stuff. That's not really horror, that's more sci-fi camp kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read another thing you were talking about. I, you mentioned a few films in an article. I, or, I don't know. I don't remember what it was. I think it was pop something, pop horror. Um, but you had mentioned Assassination Nation, which we love and I got really yeah. excited about. And then, then Bit, obviously, which we loved uh, outside of the last 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, so I just, yeah, I just it was cool. <laughs> That's all. Yes, I had I had a question, and then I was like, I just got so excited <laughs> as, as I was listening, and then I totally lost it. So it, maybe it'll come back. Um, but in the meantime, uh, like, what are what are some um, like words of advice for you know other like burgeoning filmmakers? Uh, who might be like similar in age or uh, who are just starting out also because it could be like you could be any age starting out (laughs) making a film uh, and specifically making um, films that cover some really like sensitive topics like what are what's some advice that you would give to someone I mean with the sensitive topics I'd say like just do it authentically like I can never write I don't know like I, I really annoys me uh, when it's not someone's not well educated on the topic they're writing about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think what made Bit work so well. I mean, you know, I know you don't like ten last ten minutes, but was that he <laughs> did his research, like he had a trans consultant. The same was like Craft Legacy, because I really hate it when like cis people write like trans stories and kind of exploit it in a way that's not authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like having a trigger warning, I think is really important as well, because. I mean, like, Assassination Nation did that. But I was, like, was I watching, like, Halloween Kills and they had, I don't want to spoil it, but, like, a death and I think mm. probably probably should have done that. Um, um, as for starting out, I think just, like, making it with the resources you have. Like, I could have waited till I had, like, full funding and everything, but, you know, there's no point waiting. Like, I wanted to tell a story and I could tell a story with what I had and I'm really proud of the film that I made. Um, so, yeah, I think just, like, making something, whether it's writing the script and finishing that or, like, telling as a narrative I think just putting your work out there is really important yeah, yeah shoot the shot completely yeah yeah uh what we say is do it afraid right like yeah. even if you're like really worried and it's not perfect right like it's not ever gonna be exactly <laughs> as you imagine right but it's gonna be something and you don't have like you won't even know like the impact that it might have on you know a person uh in that way yeah I would say it like we're we've gotten to be very appreciative of certain content that is being made by people that are younger than us and just like being able to like tell these stories. And there's like this environment that we just want to keep going where people are like, I want to feel comfortable. I want everyone else to feel comfortable and safe and like to be able to tell their stories and for the people who've been doing it for forever to step aside. <laughs> like, we're like done with those stories. We're done with that. We want uh, more. And there's so much, so many more of us out here. Um, I, I, one of my questions, and then I'll, I'll pass it over to you, Kat, was just like, what was uh, your favorite scene to like, either because mm. it was really fun to shoot or it was like, for whatever reason, like what was your favorite scene in the film? Um, I think it's like I had the most fun doing the drag sequences because I mean I, they were all like rehearsed so I, my direction was pretty much 
nothing. I could just watch the scenes and being filmed. It's just really amazing to see like just the talent because I mean I can't really get into a lot of drag shows anyway being underage. So um, mm-hmm. it was just kind of really cool to see that, especially having like like such an old and like important performer like from the Legos, who's played such a part in like historical like just everything here. So I was like that's pretty amazing. And I mean it's pretty fun throughout the whole shoot. I really like shooting like the drag cameo bit. Um, with et cetera, et cetera, from Drag Race Australia. That was really cool as well. And we did that working in, like, in an hour tops because they just flew in for a performance and I was like, we can do it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just pretty fun in general. That's so cool. Yeah, it's a very shoot shot <laughs> type of film. Like, why not? Why reach out? Like, and it's, it's, it's. And it worked out, you know? Yeah, yeah. That, People showed up. It means, I'm sure it means a lot that, like, they, saw the value in your work and were like yeah I'm gonna make this I'm gonna sure I'm gonna show up and I'm sure they were like flattered as well and um probably feel similarly to the way we do of like yes let's make this so that others can make things just like it right um Kat any questions yeah um well we had just recently talked about like Melanie Martinez's K to 12 and we had mentioned like just young people energy and how like we wish the people that existed today existed when we were growing up because we didn't see ourselves seen and heard in a lot of films. And I just think it's so great that this film exists and can like exist for people who are like growing up and don't have like the words for what they're experiencing. Like I know when I was growing up, I had no idea how to identify myself other than like the very patriarchal gross times that we were living within. Uh, And I really like always wished like, we had these role models that like, or just like any kind of representation that gave me any kind of idea to like guide me towards figuring out who the heck I was. So I just think it's so great that this exists and I hope that like it continues to create spaces and just thank you for creating it. And hopefully you make a bunch of other things and there'll be a millions of other people who make other great things and then all the other stories that suck go away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I, I, I did know that. And just like, thanking you um, for making this film and you know it's not like it's not a lecture right it's not like we're (laughs) telling you what to do it's just like oh this is just a cool vampire story that just happens to have like queer representation and has like amazing performances Um, but it's not like no one's gonna go in there and be like I don't want to see this like it's just genuinely also a really fun vampire time (laughs) like you just also get to have fun with vampires Um, I just wanted you to share with um, our listeners and viewers where they can find you. If there's like, if you have a website or anything like that, so people can kind of keep up with um, the work that you're, you're putting out there uh, and support you in that way. Um, I don't really have a website yet. Um, I, I guess <laughs> I just have Instagram, which is just mm-hmm. like Alice Man McKay or One Man Productions. Um, I'm like, I have a Facebook page, but probably not the most active on social media. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can see the film like from Salem Digital Fest and from a couple of days time to like 31st. And then we premiere in London, I think at like the Soho in December festival and then sorting distribution out now, which is fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's so exciting. Yes. Yeah. I wish you all the luck. Like I honestly, um, it was a real treat watching your film and I, I look forward to what you create next and to, to all the futures um, productions and, and now I have to watch the shorts support. too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't know they existed. 
<laughs> yeah, put them on our list. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and yeah, and, and definitely let us know, um, you know, when you're working on something else, we'd love to, to support and to share with our listeners um, and viewers so that they can also watch it and appreciate that. Um, but yeah, any last thoughts, Kat? No, I think that's everything. <laughs> I don't know why I whispered it, but that's what. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So thank you for taking the time out. I know it was like, you know, we're to different worlds <laughs> so far, but thankfully, because like one of the very few silver linings of this pandemic is that we have been able to really get adjusted to these virtual, virtual tools <laughs> that allow us to connect with people that maybe we wouldn't have been able to. Um, so uh, thank you for for working it out with us and taking the time so that we can talk across the world at the same time. Um, and if uh, you can, please check out uh, uh, viewers and listeners. Uh, so Vam on the, at the Salem Horror Fest, just take some time out of your day. Like you're going to really enjoy it. Um, we made a point not to spoil things <laughs> like to get too, too into it. Cause it's really just like a trip. It's just, it's super fun and you'll enjoy it. Um, I highly recommend and definitely check out what Alice is doing in the future. Cause I think it's really cool. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of great stuff. Uh, yeah. And once you figure out distribution, we'll figure out how to tell people to go watch. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, cat. Yeah. Don't get, get married. married. <laughs> your kids. Your kids.